Remember when Bobby Boucher showed up at halftime and the dogs won the bourbon bowl, do you? What a way to start today's episode. A blast from the past, Bobby Boucher and the Mud Dogs winning the Bourbon Ball um, back in the day, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I hope you're getting pumped for a good Easter weekend. We're pumped to be here in the studio, bright and early, hot cross buns, waiting for us, chalky eggs just around the corner. Um, but before we do that, we've got to wrap up the week in sport and preview the one ahead. It is the captain of the ship, the man in charge, Bradley J. Drybrough. Sitting beside me, I have the resident sports guy. I have a lot to talk about. My right-hand man, Mr. Jed Undertaker-Wells. How are you, brother? Hello, hello. It was a good Friday, and it's a good day to wrap up some sport, I reckon. What a way to kick it off. Blokes and their balls. Let's um, let's dive into the week, hey? You guys know how we do it by now. Start every week, every week with our Plays of the Week. Mm, plays of the Week. Can I kick it off? Of course you can. I'm excited about mine. Being a Wollongong boy, born and bred. Um, it's so good when you see people perform at the highest level from Wollongong. And when you talk about the highest level, the UFC featherweight champion, you know, makes sense, right? Don't get higher than that. Um, brother, Alex Volkanovsky, the great. Again, just another flawless victory. It's just at the point now where the way he fought Korean Zombie, he was so effective. He was so brutal. And you could even hear him come out at the start of that fourth round and say, do you want to keep doing this, brother? Yeah. He, he knew what was about to go down later that round. And um, just a shout out to Alex. He's an incredible champion. I don't think he gets the credit he deserves. And I'm so excited to dive into a little bit of UFC later because there's plenty of ideas, thoughts and feelings I have about what his next move is going to be. Absolutely, yeah. Like you said, a bit later in the show, we'll recap that whole card. We'll look at what the future holds. My play of the week, it's been a rough two months for the Chicago Bulls. But there was one game against Minnesota, last game of the season, Patrick Williams, injured for most of the year, came back, dropped 35 points. Nice. Meaningless game, didn't wasn't anything for our record, but just good to see the young guy get some numbers up on the board finally. Well, I guess when we get to the NBA sector of the podcast, we'll be able to talk about maybe a little bit of hope restored for the Chicago Bulls, hey? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, but first, we will chat NRL, we'll run through the games. And we'll start with the Warriors beating the Cowboys, 25-24. to 24. What a fantastic game that was. Great game. I caught the second half of that game. Well, actually, to be fair, I caught probably a good 50 minutes of it. Um, I was sat at the Builders Club with a couple of mates watching that game. And it's just one of those ones that I think any game those two are in, sort of like, we, you know, we talk about it a lot, that sort of pack between spot 6 and 12 in the competition where those teams that are either on or they're not. Um, it's always a battle for the two points when they play. Yeah. And those are two of those teams. And that game, it swung back and forth. And it went down to the wire in Golden Point. And um, Shawnee Johnson, what a way to finish it off. The man, back after a bit of injury the last few yeah. weeks. They look good with him at yeah. the helm. Like That's one thing I said early in the season. I thought a key indicator of their success was going to be how much time Johnson spent on the field and how many games were missed. And... It's really nice to see him in that outfit. Him and Reese Walsh look good together. And I like the way that the Warriors are playing. They've almost got nothing to lose. And that sounds crazy to say this early in the season, but I think Warriors fans have come to expect a team that misses the eight. Yeah. We've now got a team who are going to have... They've had one home game already this year. They're going to have another three. So there's a bit of footy being played back in NZ. There's a bit of hope and a bit of youth, as well as those veterans like SJ in the squad. 
it feels like this could be their year to to play and toy with a few teams and you know the Warriors are a team that everyone's jumped on the bandwagon of in the last few years because they've sacrificed so much to keep the competition going. Yeah. You know, they've, they've flown the coop to be over here in Australia while we had lockdowns. Um, so it's so nice to see them playing good footy. And, fuck, I love watching them. They're like, just likeable too. That's the they're thing. They're so likeable. You just Each individual guy you want to see win, and then they all come together and it's just a great, yeah. great vibe. Yeah, they are. Aside from one thing, that fucking silly Montoya... Racial slur. Yeah. Fuck. I know you're in the moment in a game, but never let it get to that. And hopefully this is a lesson learned for him to come back. And, you know, I'm sure deep down at the heart, this is, he's not a racist fella. I think it's just emotions got the better of him in a moment where One he second. should have kept his cool. Was it racial slur or I thought it was homophobic? Ho- homophobic. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> what a fuck up from me. Homophobic no, I just slur. To check. Yeah. I'm sure he's not that kind of guy deep down. Yeah. Like, I'm sure he doesn't hate people who have different sexual preferences. But in the heat of a moment, you say silly things. And I just hope this is a lesson learned for him and it doesn't happen again. Yeah. Especially at the moment with everything going on in the world too. Like, you just got to be a bit more aware of your surroundings. Like... Of course. It's a certain point where you're not a kid anymore. You can't really use the whole, like, oh, I just got excited excuse. Like, you shouldn't... Exactly. It shouldn't be going to that anyway. You know what's bad? How my mind went to racial slur because we're so used to that shit happening there yeah. too. And it probably speaks for what you're saying a little bit. We've got to, as adults, mature a little bit in those situations and not revert to just the easy, trashy call. Yeah. Because it's, it's wrong. It was a tough look, especially for a lot of the NRL media stuff the few days after. A lot of ex-players trying to come out and defend, which just, I don't know, just read the room a little bit too. Yeah, you coming out saying you would have done the same thing isn't the isn't the win you think it is. It's just yeah, kind of, no. it, I don't know. It just it just deflates the game a little bit, doesn't yeah. it? Um, on some happier news, Roosters beat the Broncos twenty four twenty. Man, there was some. Did not think it was going this way. We were texting a little bit throughout that second half because we actually seen each other that night. Eh? Yeah, you were having dinner with your fam and misses, and I was um I was with the boys in the sports bar and. It was one of those games where we've said it this season. I don't know whether it's going to be an early Roosters. A thing that the Roosters do early in the season, usually in the first four to six games, is they look relatively average. And we're seeing that again, but I just don't know if this team's got the ingredients to go deep this year. Yeah. Um, That will remain to be seen. I really hope they do because there's some serious talent there, but there's some serious shit that they need to work through. And you've seen some of that in this game. It was very back and forth, and really, for me, the star, the the shining light, I guess the saving grace of the Roosters right now is Joey Manu. Yeah. Like, his individual brilliance on a few occasions over the course of this few weeks of season has kept us in games yeah. and has got us wins, and it definitely got us a win the other night. And that Broncos team, they, they were up for the challenge. Katoni yeah. Staggs looked fantastic, Selwyn Cobbo... Their halves, like Adam Reynolds, look good. Reynolds has settled settle in yeah. a lot. Guy like Payne Haas at the front, like they're they're a good side. Yeah. They're going to get better. It'll just be hopefully they get better whilst Reynolds is still there, so they can contest in finals footy. But really tough game. It, it come down to the wire. Well, I know it's a super cliche thing to say a game of two halves, but you look at the first half of that game. 
Broncos scored 10 points, Roosters don't score any points. Mm. Second half, Broncos scored 10 points, Roosters scored 24 points. Like, they talked about it, Kevy Walters, in the press conference afterwards as well. Like, they executed almost perfectly in that first half. And then they just, I don't know if it's just they're a young team, they're not used to it or whatever. But yeah, the wheels fell off completely. And that's when you guys really just kind of yeah. made your money. Which is funny because we're usually the opposite. We're usually a first half team yeah. and we die in the arse. But the boys found something the other night and I think that's a good sign. Even when a team's not at their best, I think it's a good sign when you can find something when you're down. Yeah. And it's, you know, like I said last week, I quoted on the pod, Zach Lomax was saying that every team has a few good games and a few bad games a year, but it's that majority of games in the middle where you've just got to find a way to win the two points. And that's what the Roosters done last week. And those two points are going to add up at season's end. And we're lucky we're in a little patch of season at the moment where we're not exactly playing top-tier competition yet. Yeah. Like, it worries me that I haven't seen a Melbourne, Penrith, Parramatta on our draw yet. Um, and I think that's probably to come after Anzac Day weekend. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's going to be tougher games ahead, that's for sure. But hopefully this build phase is, is handy. And a little shout-out to Semi Walker too. Yeah. The bloke's a talented half. Cannot kick a goal to save his life, but he kicked one in a clutch moment the other day. That little grubber he put through was incredible. Though. Yeah. He's ki- he's kicking play. He's good. Like, he's not a he do- he's not a powerful kicker. Yeah. Like, you can see that off the tee and off the foot. Like... Even in play, he doesn't find big meters, but his little little kicks and his little sort of like sharp movements and last minute decisions are really clutch for a young fella. Yeah, real surgical, I thought. <coughs> Speaking about those top teams, the Storm kept on rolling. They took down the Raiders thirty to sixteen. Yeah, the Raiders have been a, a bogey team in the past for Melbourne, so it's always interesting when those two come up against it. But you know, the Storm are just—they're another class at the moment. And yeah. you know, you look at their side, Harry Grant. Resigned Jerome Hughes re-signed. Um, they've got a hectic cheese there. He's obviously on his way next year. Pappenhausen at the back. Um, you know, it's just... It's so good to see good teams playing good footy because it's entertaining to watch. But the Raiders, they've got some stuff to work on. And I guess at the end of this wrap-up, we'll talk about their game last night. Yeah. That is very unpredictable at the moment. There's... I guess there's little moments of hope. Like, I, I like their young fella at half, Snyder. He's got some real talent at this sort of young age and this early in his career. And, you know, they've got guys like Jack White and Charles Nickel-Clogstad. Like, there's plenty of talent in that side. Papali, um, Tapine, I think that's how you say his surname. Um, apologies if it's not. But, yeah, like, they just need... <coughs> They need to find a way to bring it together and bring some consistency into their game because for Raiders fans, it must be frustrating. One week you're on, the next yeah. you're not. You talk about those moments of hope, but if you want to be a good team, you've got to find a way to string those together. Exactly. Because there's nothing worse than watching a team that's on the on the edge of being good and you're being like, Look, we're going to win it, and then just going back. Like, exactly just that right. sort of emotional rollercoaster. You talked about Zachy Lomax and saying how it's important that the, the teams figure out how to get those two points. It's a sensation the Dragons haven't felt in a while. They went down to the Rabbitohs 24-12. Yeah, it's, it's always a tough game between those two. Like, Charity Shield at the start of the year sets yeah. up, you know, really good foundation for a bit of a rivalry there throughout the year. And I didn't watch that game, but it's kind of the way I've seen it going. Yeah. Um, the Rabbits have just got that little bit of extra class, and I guess that big game experience in years have passed. But it was nice to see Saints not too many steps behind. Like... Yeah. 12 points doesn't feel out of reach in this game. Like, that's that's two tries with a good kicker like Zaki. Yeah. 
I think they've just got to find something. And I know at the moment they're playing around with the way that their team's playing footy. I don't know if that's the answer. I think they showed moments of, of really good footy early in the season when they had, like, I don't know why Amon's, like, I don't, was Amon in the team last week? I know sure. he wasn't the week before. I think they've just got to stick to the team they were going to play with this year. Yeah. Give those young guys their chance. This isn't a year that you win a premiership. This, this is what's happened is Hooks hit the panic button. I think he was, at the start of the year, he's like, we're going to play all our young guys. We're going to build from the ground up. We're going to do it. And I don't know if he thought they were going to win a few of those games, but they went on that slide and mm. he's gone, oh, fuck, if they have a terrible year, it's going to look really bad. He's yanked all the young guys. He's put the vets back out there. And they're losing games still, so I don't, I don't know what the logic behind that. You know what was. it is? There's an issue in rugby league, and it comes at the core of coaches being sacked too early. Yeah. We've got this culture where if a team doesn't play well, we sack the coach, right? Now the issue there is, like we talk about the NBA, the NFL all the time, we need to like. By the way, if anyone can hear some background noise, there's an absolute fucking party going on at the moment at Lee and me. You can tell they're getting pumped up. Eight o'clock, they've just opened. They're getting pumped up for a long weekend. But back to what I was saying, like, these coaches have got so much pressure. Hookie didn't have a great year last year as a coach. Like, he's taken over a job from Mary McGregor, who got pushed out of the club. He gets an opportunity. They don't play the best footy. They miss the eight. He's under pressure this year. Yeah. Now... What should be encouraged by the board is, hey, we're not going to win a comp next season. We're not going to be top four. We're probably not even going to compete. Yeah. We may make the eight, but that's less important than building the team long-term is. So, like we say in NBA, NFL all the time, sacrifice for a year or two, build a team, build from the ground up, let these young guys flourish. And I don't know why Hook doesn't think he's got that support because the Dragons extended him before the season even began they kind of said look you've got the keys for a few years which a lot of people were surprised by I think a lot of people saw him as that interim guy he's going to almost take the fall for that whole barbecue thing Mm. but they said like under fair play a little bit I guess like no we're going to give you a proper chance with everyone available but he's he's still coaching like he thinks his job's on the line every game you just need to let those young guys flourish like we talk about it all the time like I look at Zach. Zach's a great player. And you can tell I'm a fucking fan of Zach because I love the bloke as a, as a mate. He's a but, bright spot in that red V at the moment. Yeah, he <laughs> like, is. But, but even he, he's 23. Yeah. He's not even... I think he's 23 this year. So you look at that side and some of their best players, they're still so young. They've got 10 years ahead of them in mm-hmm. the NRL. So we don't need wins from them right now. Yeah. But we need consistency together. They're not going to get better as a team unless they're playing together. Yeah. And, you know, you almost got to take... I know you're in the NRL, but you've almost got to take the Penrith Juniors approach. Let that team play together for two seasons and try to contest for a competition in the third. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we don't... We don't nobody <coughs> expected the Dragons in 2022 or even 2023, for that matter, to win a competition. Yeah. Take your time, build a squad. Yeah. One other thing from that game is Latrell Mitchell went out with injury. He will be yeah. gone, I think, two two months he's out. He is. And look, it's a big loss for the Rabbits. Very tough. But let me tell you, right, there's a guy that I love in the Rabbitohs system that I think is underappreciated, and I reckon, I don't reckon they're going to miss too many steps. And this is one of my bold calls for the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Blake Taff is a fantastic player. He stepped in in a big moment last year in the grand final. He's, he's typically a half, right? 
He stepped in and played fullback in a grand final. I think he dropped one ball early on and then had a blinder for the rest of the game. Yeah. I think they'll have a couple of really good weeks with Taff at fullback. I don't think he's... He's not Latrell in his strike power, but he's a very good player. He's going to play a very different game to Latrell. And I think it's an opportunity for him to show the skill set that he's got. Yeah. Because I don't know what his contract situation is like, but if he doesn't get a run at the Rabbitohs after this season, I reckon he's off somewhere else. You know, you never want to say it, but it is kind of that opportunity that those bench guys secretly hope for a little bit. Like, they will get that shot at a few games. For sure. And you know what the thing that kills me is it just shows the way that our game thinks. Latrell's injured. Yeah. The first headline you read, will Latrell make origin? Yeah. What about his team? Yeah. <laughs> like he's trying like... to win a grand final above all else. And the origin chat has already been going for like two, three weeks. Like it was yeah. literally two weeks into the season I saw a way too early origin thing. I'm like, you don't even fucking know. Like half the people wouldn't have even played that are eligible yet. Exactly. <clears throat> so it's just like, yeah, look, I don't think Rabbitohs fans need to hit the panic button. I think no, they're God expecting no. what, maybe a month or two without Two months, I believe, was yeah. the initial report. He'll try to get back a little bit earlier because yeah. he'll want to be in that contention for origin. But look, I think for Rabbits fans, you've got a very capable guy stepping in at fullback who is going to have all the motivation in the world to, to step up and, and be the man out there on pitch. So um, it'll be interesting to see how the next two months goes. And silver lining, I guess. If you're going to miss two months, these are probably the two months you want to miss. Exactly. Get it out like of the way. Timing. Next up, we had the Eels beating the Titans 26-20. to This was also known as the uh, streaker game where the biggest hit came from Aseki, just fucking poleaxing this chick into the ground. My favourite moment from that hit was Mitchell Moses. (laughs) His reaction was fantastic. The way that he was like, oh, like his shoulders went up. He was like, oh, a little giggle. Um, I I love this game. And I think I watched the highlights of this game. I'm, I'm so on the Eels this year. I just think Moses and Brown have got what it takes for them to go a long way. Yeah. Their defence probably a little bit sloppy in this game because Gold Coast made a late run. And that's probably a lot of that on the back of it, um, David Fafida. I and, love David Fafida. I was going to talk about it later, but you've opened the door for me, so I'm go, jumping you, in. I want you to go here. He is coming very close to taking the crown for me as my favourite NRL player. Not the best, but I love watching him. It's like fucking Marshall and Lynch to the NRL right now. In the Indigenous All-Stars game, that one fucking sideline try had he just fucking trucked guys. Every time I watch him play, he looks like Juggernaut from the X-Men. They just can't stop him. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of a, a former um, Titans and Broncos player in, um, what was his name? Dave Taylor. God, yeah. Remember Dave Taylor? The quads of fucking doom. <laughs> the chunkiest motherfucker and very hard to tackle. The difference is, Dave Taylor always had trouble with his weight. He got way out of shape, yeah. lost his fitness, lost his effectiveness, where David Fafita, he's a professional. Yeah. That man rocks up, he's fit. He plays 80 minutes. Like, the guy's a fucking machine. And like a tough 80 minutes too. Yeah. Like. I don't. I look at players like that, and they're the ones where it's always a 50-50. If you're going in to tackle that bloke, it's 50-50 whether you're actually making that first tackle. I think, man, like contact. 50-50 you survive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, hey, probably close to. <laughs> if it was me, it'd probably be about 80-20. I don't. Um <laughs> Were you going to say more? I saw, it's related-ish. There was a TikTok I saw the other day and two mates on a podcast and one goes, 
what do you think the percent is that I could stop Aaron Donald on like a like a rushing for one meter or something? I did see this. And yeah. the guy was like, you'd die. You'd yeah. literally pass. And that's same thing. I reckon if I tried to tackle for feeder, every yeah. single bone in my body would just like fucking turn yeah. to powder. And it would not be fun. I do not envy some of these players in the centers or in the middle of the pack who would be tackling him at pace. But he's, he's fantastic. And I think I, I said it at the start of the season. It's a weird year for Titans fans. Because there's these players in that team that there's youth there. Yeah. There's there's I think it's gonna take time for them to form the bond as a team to be effective. But they're one of those mid pack teams that like great last performance against Parramatta. I know they lost, but they were in that every step of the way. And I've got a bold prediction for this week for the Titans that I'll get to at the end. Yeah. In my hot take, but they're a team to watch this year because with guys like Fafida, with guys like Tino, with guys like AJ Brimson, um, and even young Campbell at the back, they can do anything. Yeah. So yeah, I'm firmly planting my flag on Fafida Island and we'll yeah, nice. see how long I can survive here. Next up, we had the Sharks beating the Tigers 30-4. to Maybe the most predictable result of the season so far. Yeah, like that was going to happen, wasn't it? Yeah. And, yeah. I'm surprised it was only 30 to 4, to be honest. It looked like it should have been 50. I remember you said that. You sent me a text at halftime and you said this could be 50 nil right now. Yeah, it, they weren't completing close to what they should have been, but they just, apart from that, they were getting whatever they wanted. Like, Look, he, here's the thing for Sharks fans, and I guess we'll, we'll glimpse forward to this week quickly. <clears throat> Their best test is this week. They come up against Melbourne. Yeah. It's the first time this year they're really going to have to dig in against good competition. In saying that, they did beat Parramatta, but it's the first time that I think they're going to be really, really tested. Like established good versus power, or like it's their yeah. first year of really being like. I can see them copping an L this week, but learning a lot from it. I think Melbourne's probably a more polished team across the board, but then you got that Nico Hines factor. You've got that um, that factor of like, if they can get their moments right, if they can complete those like 1% play moments, yeah. they're every chance. But I think their biggest test is this weekend, but I think they'll learn from it. I think even a loss makes them better this weekend. Yeah, I've been slowly workshopping a Sharks could be a finals contender take for a while. Yeah. I think, like you said, if they get over the storm, that take gets a lot more credit. But we'll see how it goes over the next... They might be peaking a bit early. We'll see what happens. I think Sharks fans will hate me for saying this, but I think... If you're a Sharks fan, you almost want to see the best Melbourne Storm come up against your team this weekend because you want to test where you're at. Yeah. And you also don't want to give your team false hope. Exactly. If you get a Melbourne that comes out and plays their worst game of the season and you beat them, you start to think you get a little bit of an ego. You get a superstar complex and you think, oh, we can beat anyone this year. Especially when it's your team because you can watch any other team do that and be like, oh, that wasn't good Melbourne. But you get those tunnel vision when it's your team. You're like, we're gonna, we can't be stopped. We beat Melbourne. It doesn't exactly. matter how they played. I think it's really important for the Sharks players to come up against a great side this weekend and test themselves. Yeah. To quickly talk about the Tigers. Go for it. Luke Brooks this week has, after years of playing in the number seven for the Tigers, there's been a dramatic change. That's all the headlines. Yeah. Dramatic change to the Tigers lineup. He's named it six. <laughs> it is the same fucking thing in this day and age. <laughs> Usually teams play a left and right. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Like, I don't know where the Tigers' headspace is at, but it just, like, right now it's just a disgrace. The one thing that I'm excited for Tigers fans 
is there's a little bit of talk that the coach you may be getting next season is Shane Flanagan. Yeah, and I think he's a really good fit for that side. Flano's obviously had his issues being banned after the, the doping saga at Cronulla. Um, but all that aside, this is a guy who took a team to a premiership. He's a guy who's respected as a coach. Look at the great work he's doing now at the Dragons. Uh, <laughs> um, but I think it's I think it's an improvement for... Oh, absolutely. Fuck, what a way to shoot that down, eh? <laughs> Um, I think it's an improvement for Tigers fans. Oh. And hopefully, if they can secure him soon, hopefully they can start to secure some signings ahead of next season. Yeah, absolutely. Panthers beat the Bulldogs. They just keep on rolling. Your yeah. take's looking better and better every week. Yeah, I just, I just can't see anyone outside of Melbourne. Melbourne and Cronulla are probably the two teams to challenge them this year. I think that's probably fair to say. Yep. Maybe even Parramatta. But I can just see Penrith being the team that beats all of them by two, four. Yeah. Just ices those games. Like, they look so good across the board. They're in sync as well. It's hard to see. And, and here's the thing. They have an injury in the halves. Sean O'Sullivan slots straight back in. Yeah. They have an injury at fullback. Crichton goes straight to fullback. They bring their fucking vast array of wingers from reserves into the side. Like, they just... It feels like they can't lose even with injuries, even with issues. And I think... You know, for Panthers fans, I think you've just got we. You know, you said it last week. It feels like the dynasty that just begun, and I, you know, I can just see this rolling for a long, long well, time. Yesterday, both Clearies extended their contracts. So they'll be there till yeah. I think twenty six. That's it huge is. news. I, I love that. A eh? yeah. like to see. I love that they've stayed true to each other. Yeah. Like they've obviously got a great connection. I think they still live under the same roof. But I, I'm just so excited. I, I know some people don't like him because. He's, you know, he's confident. He's potentially a little bit cocky out there on the field. But Nathan Cleary, what, like, what a fucking superstar of our game. It's hard not to be cocky when you're that good, if I'm being completely well, and, honest. And to be fair, like, if you execute, if you walk the walk, fucking talk the talk. Yeah. And I just love everything that's going on in that guy's life at the moment. You know, he's teamed up with Bam Bam and um, Tyson Pedro for Drink West. That was a tough um, video to watch. That, that was a tough that video was to tough watch. One. But it was funny. I think people, I think people took it serious. Yeah. I would, and it was, I was clearly a like, piss take. It was clearly a piss take. I don't think anyone expected Nathan Cleary to be the fucking vocalist of the century. He's that you can't be that good at footy and that good at singing. Yeah, everyone's bad at something. Yeah, right. But so Jesus, he was off key. Yeah. So I love that he's got these things happening in his life at the moment, where you know, even just being around other sporting <clears throat> stars who are, you know, top tier in their game, it just sharpens you up as an athlete. And yeah. you know, having that little side hustle, he's looking after his career long term. He's just locked in another great contract. You know, they've locked in his dad, his coach, which means, you know, life at Penrith is going to be good for a long time. We're talking another five seasons. Yeah, so, shit. Um, fuck, it's, you know, best news for Pan- Panthers fans, that's for sure. And then, just quickly, the game we alluded to a bit before, yesterday's match, Cowboys beat the Raiders 18-12. to 12. Yeah, that was a 50-50 for me. Yeah. I sat there in front of that tipping, and I sort of, I picked the Canberra Raiders, and then I was like, uh, actually... I don't know, the cows have just got that little bit of X factor that I like this season, and um, I'm glad I did. It, for most of that game, it was 12-6. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the Raiders were just ahead, but the Cowboys with, with two late ones, I think, in the last 20. Yeah. Ice the game. I fully forgot to tip, but I was saying to you, I would have lent Raiders. I just felt like they probably were a bit better. Yeah. But I was wrong, and I'll take it. You know, it's like we said... Two of those teams so evenly matched up this year. Yeah. Re- really, I'm starting to realise that the competition from you know, really everything outside of the Tigers. So, like, 
Tigers are going to be the wooden spooners. That feels pretty yep. safe. Anything from sort of 15 to 6, 15 to 8, feels really close, which is great for the game. You know, this could be the most entertaining season of rugby league we've had in a long time. So Yeah. Well, I covered the, what was it, the Warriors-Broncos press conference. It? I yep. think it was last week. And that was one thing Nathan Brown talked about was he just really, he personally at least, feels like the competition is a lot closer. He's saying like there's not as much, like there's not as much breathing room of the top eight and the bottom eight or whatever. Like it sort of feels like you can catch anyone on their day. Unless it's, a, unless it's a Penrith or someone, but. Yeah. Which I think a lot of people have been saying that. I don't know if it's some of the rule changes and stuff, but it really feels like as much as there are the established top teams, everyone's kind of come in a little bit on the same level. Yeah, and look, I just think we had, you know, we talked about it in the off-season. We just had enough trades and buyers that kind of shook teams up a little bit. Yeah. Like, the good teams lost a bit of talent um, and had they've had to bleed some sort of, or blood some young players, I should say. And there's kind of a nice, it feels like there's a nice, really outside of that top two, Penrith, Melbourne, it feels like things are starting to level up and bunch up a bit, which is, it's great for fans. Yeah. Like, it's nothing worse than watching 40-point defeats. You know what I mean? Exactly, like, yeah. And unless there was a bunch last team, year. <laughs> you know, you, you kind of want to... Yeah, last year was just ridiculous for it. You really want to watch games where it's coming down to the wire. Like, you know, those two Friday night games last week, we go golden point field goal win for the Warriors, four-point victory for the Roosters, come down to the death. Yeah. Like, that's what the sort of footy you want to watch as a fan. Before we wrap up the NRL, I want to talk about fantasy. I've forgotten to do it the last two weeks. I've um, been yeah, <laughs> very away from it. You've been very away from it. Um, <clears throat> the 2002-22 Fantasy Fetish Championships. Nice, nice. Um, as we call our competition. Um, you know, Solid top one and two. Um, the bit-off boys, Noah and Zach. Um, Noah's team, Evans, Pop My Cherry. Um, they're just sitting there at the top. Very close. There's only 10 points in it. Um but they both had very similar weeks. Zach's team, fantastic name. Drive fast, eat harsh. Nice, nice. Um, you know, consistent performers. And in third place, the Backstreet Battlers, um, Harry Edwards' team, who had a very good round. He had one of the best rounds. I will give a shout-out to James Ellum, um, whose team's name is Jelly. I like it. Yeah. Um, 813 points for the round. Very good win. He had the old Payne Haas captain, double points. Um, Cherry Evans, Snyder, like, had a good team. His fucking bench scored some good points too. So, um, yeah, that's sort of an update on fantasy and I guess my hot take for the NRL, as I do. Um, Looking ahead to this week, there was a game that felt quite 50-50 for me based on, I guess, the last week. And it's... Did we talk about Manly? Did we talk about their game this week? I don't think we did. I might have missed it. You must have missed it. Who did they play? play? Did they have a buy? Nah. Hmm. Well, while you're getting that up, we'll talk about the hot take for the week. Manly Gold Coast, I like that game. I think both teams are kind of coming into a bit of form. Both can be hot, or they may not. Um, you've got the turbo out at the back. He's out of the team this week. I think that's going to make it even closer. I'm going to say here's a tip for everyone. Same game multi, two legs. Either team by eight or less. And over 41 and a half total. We didn't talk about Manly because they played the Thursday game last week. So we oh, talked that's about right. it We already wrapped Friday. it up. Yeah. Fair play. So we didn't miss it. You were on the ball. I was nearly going to sack you. <laughs> um, you couldn't if you tried. Yeah. So that's the NRL for the week. It is. We'll jump into some NBA now. And it's, 
It's finally the fun part of the season, Brad. We got through all the bullshit, the last 20 games, the sitting randoms and stuff. We're into the playoffs and first the play-in. So we'll go through, we've had four of the play-in games so far. There will be two tomorrow, Saturday, so whenever you listen to this, they might have yep. already happened. The first one, we had the Nets and the Cavs for the 7 and 8. Hmm. Nets were too good, and I think everyone knew they would be. Too good, and someone picked it. Did you see that guy picked the exact, the score. exact score? Yeah. I don't know what... It says that he won 5.7 thousand, so he picked the Nets to beat the Cavs by 115 to 108. That's insane. And it showed him commentating the last little bit of the game when Kyrie hit those two free throws. Yeah. And then, I think he hit two, yeah. And then the Cavs got the ball and fucking slung it downfield. One guy took a shot at a three and missed, and I can imagine that was a nervous couple of minutes for that lad. But the one thing that surprised me is I'm like, 5.7, so $5,700 he won. Fuck, he mustn't have put much on it. Because I feel like to pick a score like that... That'd be pretty high odds. Like, that'd be pretty high odds. It must have been like a $5 bet or something. Uh, It'd be smart to not put loads of money on that. Yeah, true. But, you know, I wanted to see the lad fucking buy a new house. (laughs) When you're making a fucking tip that clutch, you know, you deserve the fucking lottery. So that was a great game. It's one thing I noticed. So, for anyone that doesn't know how the playing works... (coughs) They take the 7th and 8th seeds and then the ninth and 10th. 7 and 8 play each other. Winner of that gets the 7th seed. Yep. 9 and 10 play each other. And then the winner of 9-10 plays the loser of 7-8 for the 8th seed. Okay. So it's, it's kind of like the NRL sort of like finals and stuff. So can I minor. ask? No. Obviously this is... No, I can't. Okay. No, I can As the top. captain of the ship, I can't ask a question. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> um, the thing that... I've, I've never really paid this close attention to the NBA, right? Mm-hmm. Is the play-in games something that we see every season, or is this just when it's so close? So this is the... I think it's only the second year of it. Okay. And so there's a new rule. Yeah, so it got to the point a few years ago where the playoff seedings were pretty much locked in with like 15, 20 games to go. Yeah. So no one played. No one gave a fuck. And everyone was... It was back when tanking was kind of a big thing too. So you'd kind of get to like January, and you knew like these 16 teams are trying to be in the playoffs... And then these 16 teams are trying to lose all the games. So okay. what they did was extend it out to 10 people can be in contention and it just kept more people invested. Okay, cool. There are a bit of, there's a bit of chatter about how fair it is because of similar to what you mentioned, it is a little bit like in the 9 and 10 game that I'll talk about, those teams both won like 30-something games. Mm. It seems a bit unfair that if you just like get lucky and win two games, you can take someone's spot that might have won 10 more games than you. Yeah. So what I reckon, and I think a lot of people have said it, it should be like triggered. Like it shouldn't be, there shouldn't be a play-in game all the time. But if it's like, if it's within three or five games, then, then you run it. Yeah. And just, and then it still keeps people interested. Yeah, exactly. Because the option's there. Yeah. So the Nets beat the Cavs. Kyrie was incredible he was perfect at the half with 20 points he finished with 35 i think and 12 assists or something nice and then we saw in in quickly in saying that and he's in the middle of ramadan yeah so we're talking fasting which is insane i've always got so much respect for athletes sunny bill used to do it in the nrl yeah and I'm i'm sure there were probably many others that just weren't as well documented like to play when you're fasted and like your hydration's low and yeah. you know, if anyone who doesn't know how Ramadan works, you can only eat and I don't know if it's drink as well. I think it is drink. I think it's you can only eat and drink before sunrise and after sundown. Yeah. So it's like it's insane because they're playing those games, you know, 
basically very low energy yeah. and you know it'd be taxing on their body sleep wise too like especially with travel yeah definitely. Like you're just trying to get your meals and your hydration in when you can um so shout out to Kyrie, massive performance yeah that was an incredible effort um the second seven eight was for the west and we had the timberwolves beating the clippers i don't know if you got to see the end of this one or not but it was pretty incredible the wolves were celebrating yeah. like they were really stoked part of me wants to be cynical and take the piss out of them but you got to remember too they've made the this is the second time they've made the playoffs in like 17 years yeah it's the best team they've had in probably like in like the 2000 era yeah it's it's a high point for them and they're a team that's used to being the butter jokes and to being in the lottery and being kicked around and stuff they're probably going to get wiped in the playoffs but they made it and that's like good for them it gives their it gives their town or their city something to fucking be excited about and exactly yeah. yeah there's not not much to be excited about in minnesota right it's fucking cold and miserable um it sounds like ant edwards and um and pat bev had a good game ant was incredible he's a fucking psychopath like the shots yeah. he takes are ridiculous in saying that, Carl Anthony Towns had probably one of the worst games I've ever seen. Oh, really? I think he had six points and he fouled out midway through the fourth. Okay. <laughs> wow, bless you. Oh, sorry, I'm allergic to talking about the Timberwolves. Fucking hell. Um, yeah, so Cat got carried, which yeah. hopefully he can redeem himself. Otherwise, there's going to be a lot of talk about the sort of player that he is because yeah. he did get shut down pretty effectively by a team that doesn't have... Like, they've got Zubat, but the Clippers don't have any, like, bigs that are, like, pretty solid. Yeah. Um, so, quickly on that game, we had a message in the group chat from our little mate, who's, you know, as, as many know, he's been missing. He's been around he the is, world. He he's been trying out for teams. He tried to win the US Masters. He's Now he's actually trying to go for the coaching job at the Tigers. He heard that Flano's on the radar. That's where Duff is at the moment, if anyone's wondering. Um, but he sent through to the group chat the video of Pat Bev celebrating. Um, and we like to think that Duff is the Pat Bev of blokes in their yeah, balls. absolutely. Like, little pest. Like, <laughs> always a little bit arrogant, always flexing on everyone, you know. Um, so, he's probably one of the most hated players in the NBA. Um, but he had his moment the other night. This is coming from a man who I fucking can't stand him. Yeah. It was good to see him get that moment. Like, you can't deny that he is... For better or for worse, he's good for team chemistry. He's yeah. great. He's one of those dudes, I think, if he's on your team, you're going to end up loving him. But he's your ride or die. Yeah, but I, I've i never been a big Pat Bev fan. I'll be pretty yeah. honest about the fact that I don't think he's a great player and he fucking annoys me so much. If he was on the cast of <clears throat> Blokes and Their Balls, do you reckon you guys would be mates? Depends. I think it's the same thing where if, he's, if he was on our side and he's like egging us up, I think you just can't help but be a fan of it. Yeah. But if there was another podcast he was on, I'd be like, I'm not fucking listening to that shit. Yeah, fair play. We'll jump to the 9 and 10 play-ins. So these were the win-or-go-home ones. Yep. Charlotte Hornets got wiped off the face of the earth by the Hawks. So Duff's at home again, probably just tending to his wounds there after yeah. a lot of chatter early in the season. Not good. It was um the, the deficit that they had to try and come back from there was, um, yeah. was a mountain of climb, let's just say that. And then the Pelicans took down the Spurs. So that means we are left with the Hawks and the Cavs will play to get the eight seed, and so will the Pelicans and the Clippers. Those will be some all right games. I think both the teams that were the seven seeds are going to win pretty handily there. Yeah, so who's that, Hawks and... Uh, Cavs. Cavs and Clippers, I don't okay. think, will be challenged too much. Okay, interesting. And then we get to the actual playoffs. They haven't started yet. They won't for a while. 
I'm just gonna I'm gonna flick you the matchups and I want you to just give me who's gonna win them. Yeah, That's all right. It. With with the audience remembering, I've likely got no idea. Yeah, exactly. Mavericks and Jazz. Jazz. Grizzlies and Timberwolves. Grizzlies. Sixers and Raptors. Sixers. Warriors and Nuggets. Warriors. Miami versus whoever wins the play-in. So that'll be likely Cavs. Probably Cavs, yeah. Miami. Yeah. Celtics versus Nets. Celtics. Bulls versus Bucks. Bucks, sorry. No, <laughs> I would have kicked you out of here if you said Bulls, I'll be honest. And then Suns versus probably the Clippers. Suns. Yeah. That's exactly how I have it shaking out. Maybe not the Jazz one, I think, but I'm with you <laughs> on all the other ones. Yeah, the Jazz have been going through. We spoke about it a few weeks ago, right? That weird phase where they're kind of... The wheels are falling yeah. off, yeah. And actually, that is one thing I want to talk about, though. In game 82 of the season, Luka Doncic went out with a calf strain. He has started treatment, but there's no timetable for his return. Well, that was my thinking, because i seen that on your run sheet yeah. there, and I thought... So I might actually go with you there. I think yeah. the Jazz... I'd completely forgotten about that. Luka's the man at the Mavs, you know? Yeah. That it, I can't imagine a worse thing happening than the last game of the season playing meaningless minutes. That's definitely He didn't need to be. Everyone, he, right? I don't even know why he suited up this game. But yes, yeah. car strain. It might only be a few weeks, but depending on how your team goes, that might be enough to miss all the games yeah. in the playoffs. Look, I know Luke is probably listening to this right now, so I want to give him a message. I want him to cast his mind back to December 2020. Me, grade one tear in the calf, two weeks out from a marathon. Still around 42.2 Ks. You've got it in you, brother. You've just got to believe. Yes, sir. LD, if you hear that, take that one to heart. Basketball hot take. The Bulls are going to get wiped off the face of the earth by the Bucks. I think everyone knows it. Giannis is going to average 50 points. We're not going to be able to defend him. But I reckon, game one, they'll sneak in. Bucks will be... They beat us all four games this season. They'll be expecting an easy win. I think we'll sneak in a little one-game steal, punch them in the face a bit before mm. we get wiped. It'll be Bucks in five, but Bulls will win the first game. Okay, I like it. It's wishful thinking, but we'll I, can, just, I can see them getting caught there. It's probably typical of the Bulls. Very early in the piece, I'll give you a little bit of hope. Yep. And then just as you start to attach yourself to that hope, it'll crush you. Yeah, absolutely. Let's chat some combat sport, and we'll start with who we were chatting about earlier, Volkanovski. Yeah. Absolute masterclass against Korean Zombie. It just had it all. Like, he looked he looked so good in moments. And I think, you know, while whilst Zombie didn't have what it takes to compete with Volk in the ring, I think we all knew that coming into this fight. It was kind of a filler fight yeah. to give Volk something to just keep him tuned up. I, I've got to give so much credit to Zombie and his chin. Yeah, like, oh, absolutely. He stayed in there for way longer than most guys would have in that division. And the poor man's going to be beaten and bruised um, even still a week later. But um, I I don't know what this means for Zombie. I almost think think that, like, this is probably where it all ends. I think it'll be kind of the same as, like, Diaz, where he'll get fights that aren't title shots as long as he wants them. But he's not going to get those big marquee matchups. He's a fan favourite, so people are always watching fight. But it's not gonna. He's not gonna be up there going for a belt again. I yeah, think a that's, bit of a Cowboy Cerrone vibe now, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. You just fight those ones where it's gonna be a bit of a war. But then, fuck, how long do you keep taking a toll on your body like that? Yeah. Or he'll get fed to whoever the next up and comer guy is to say like, yeah. zombies on his um, 
like on his resume. That's yeah, and it's almost like they play the um, what do they call like the gatekeeper? Yeah, with exactly. those kind of guys. Like it's let's see if you're a con- let's see if you're a top ten contender. We'll yeah. give you zombie. One thing I want to quote was um, anyone in the gong will probably know Gong Man, the Facebook page. Um, gong Man had a post up two days ago. Well, actually, it was a few days ago because I just screenshotted it two yeah. days ago. Um, but it was pretty much on the day of the fight, and he's got. Any, any, so anyone who's not from here won't know, but the local pub, which is called the Illawarra, just changed their name to the Volkanovsky Hotel. They said that most towns give their champions the keys to the city. We'll name the pub after ours. And so Gongman put up a post saying, wanting Alex Volkanovsky to win purely so I don't have to ever experience a retro Thursday at the Jung Chen Sung Hotel. <laughs> I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, that was a banger. Yeah, I, I said this to you in the chat a few days ago, but... Volk won so well that no one cared about it. It was insane. Like, usually mm. after his wins, like, the town goes crazy. There's a bit of chatter and stuff. Felt like everyone dropped what they were doing for 20 minutes, watched him win, and then just went back to whatever. Like, there was no talk about it after. It was like, yeah, okay, anyway. Yeah. Like, and he just keeps getting better. He keeps getting fitter. He keeps winning in different ways. Like, it was all the wrestling and stuff before. It was the calf kicks against Max. But then this time he just came out and his boxing was insane. The thing I love is I've always said... A champion isn't a champion until they've been put on their ass or they've been highly tested. We're seeing a guy who, mind you, anyone who knows Brian Ortega knows he's known for a triangle. Yeah. Brian Ortega put Alex Volkanovski in a triangle. Like, that guy barely escaped, but he escaped. Yeah. He kept his cool, he escaped, and then he <clears throat> dominated the rest of the fight. he done it twice against Max where... He cops shots. He was under pressure. Everyone knows what Max's volume's like. Yeah. He comes out and gets his hand raised. He's done it again against Zombie. Like, we've just seen time and time again, he can handle the chin. He can escape a choke. He can wrestle. He can do it all. The thing that I wonder now, and this is, was always going to be the problem after this fight, who is next for Volk? Yeah. Because there's no one in the featherweight division... That's, that's likely to challenge this guy. Or deserving, to be honest And with it's you. almost silly for him to take any of those fights outside of the purpose of making a buck. Yeah. But he's not going to make a buck. The, the issue is, Volk is underappreciated as it is. He probably doesn't make as much as he should yeah. for, his, for his title fights or his title defences because he's an Aussie dude. Most of the big stars are in America doing that media, except for guys like Adesanya. It's because Volk doesn't talk as much shit, right? Yeah. But now you've got to go, what's the path? And he said, you know, I'd like the lightweight title. As much as I love Volk, that's not going to happen. No. The lightweight division is so highly contested, they might throw you to someone in the top five, like a Chandler, Gaith G, um, you know, Dustin, someone yeah. like that. But I honestly think that's probably not the best path for Volk. No. If you really want to challenge yourself, go for your life. Because, fuck, you'll find some challenges there. Yeah. But what I think is the best fight, and one of the things that you wrote on the run sheet, is a man that we know as Triple C. Yes, sir. Just come out of the woodworks. He has. He's officially entered the USADA drug testing for athletes thing. I don't know if everyone probably knows this. Athletes have to be mandatory drug tested. Yeah. So if you... With UFC athletes, they have to enter the pool around six months before they can be eligible. So everyone's sort of saying he's back in now, so maybe he's targeting an end-of-the-year fight. And we know that him and Volk have been jawing at each other for a while. Is that the next fight? I 
I'll be honest with you. I wanted this, and then I chatted to a guy at my work, Tom, who's a big combat guy. He changed my mind a little bit because he sort of said, like, what happens there? So, who like, Triple C wins, and then he's just going to, like, retire again. And then it just, do you know what I mean? It just feels like a little bit meaningless. Yeah, I know what you mean. But we're talking about a guy who, he, he wants to come. This is a fight that will sell. For me, the key here for Volk is whilst it might feel a bit meaningless in the scheme of Henry Ciudo coming in and out, Henry Ciudo wants to be a three-time or a three-weight world champion. Yeah. He won the flyweight world championship. He won the bantamweight world championship against... and. By the way, he dominated TJ Dillashaw yeah. oh, easily. Now, we're talking about a guy who was an Olympic gold medalist. In fact, the youngest Olympic gold mes- medalist in wrestling in US history. He's got a fucking caliber. He's got hands. He's got a chin. This is a guy who will definitely be able to make the weight yeah. to fight Volk. There's motivation for him. And whilst for Volk, he... I guess it's kind of like, well, what happens once if I beat Ciudo, he's just out and then I've still got the same issue. But the thing for Volk is Ciudo is a master at marketing. He talks the talk, he's on all the shows, he does all the podcasts. This is something where your stocks as a fighter go up. Your stocks as a fighter, you don't have to compete against a guy that's heavier than you. A guy's got to make the weight to fight you. We're talking about the perfect situation for Volk to grow his fan base to grow his marketability and to get the bag. Yeah, that's true. And if he wants to secure the bag and, and secure better bags and the fights ahead, fight this guy first, then step up to lightweight. This is a money fight for yeah. Volk. Like, I think it's the smartest thing he could do and it makes so much sense. It gives him at least six months to rest, be prepared, have the best camp possible. Yeah. And it's going to be so well matched because both these guys have got similar skill sets. Yeah. You might have convinced me there, actually. Mm. So, I don't know who you work with, but tell him I said he's wrong. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, but I know, but I definitely, see, I definitely see his point. But I just think, for as a Volk fan, you want to see the guy make his money. Yeah. Like, this is the oh, absolutely. I just worry that... It's the same way I don't want to see him fight Max again. I just worry he loses his belt. Like, because you only have to get caught once, even though yeah. you're just unlucky. But here's the thing, right? It could happen against anyone. I'd, yeah, I meant like lose it in an unlucky way though. Like if yeah. you lose it to someone that's just coming up against you, you're going to get like the rematch is going to be good. If he loses to Max, I don't think they're going to do fucking Volk Max 4, which is no. really unfair because I don't know how you can beat a guy twice and then not get a rematch when he beats you the third yeah. time. And for Cejudo, I definitely see him winning and then just hanging it up just to be like, oh, I yeah. got him, I'm gone. But then here's the thing. The worst case for Volk is if that happens, then... The, ba- the belt gets vacated. Yeah, but that'd feel a bit cheap, like losing it and then going to get someone else to get it back. Because, like, I, I'm just talking more like legacy. Yeah, the, I know what you mean. Yeah. The spirit of the sport, like, yeah. practically, you're completely right there. But then here's the thing: it's like if he goes up to lightweight, his belt probably gets vacated anyways. Yeah. And unless he gets a shot at the lightweight title, or he has one fight and comes back and defends at featherweight, I think once you make that move up, it's hard to come back. Yeah. Well. He looked pretty gaunt around the weigh-ins. Like, it's pretty hard to come back. Like, we've seen that with McGregor. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you make featherweight, and McGregor's a leaner frame. You know what I mean? Volk's a thick dude. Could we see that fight, you reckon? We could, but it's going to have to be at lightweight. Because yeah. McGregor won't be able to make featherweight again. He's too big. There's too much muscle in his frame now. I think... And, but 
But my thing for I think I know why Volk wants it, but I can't see Connor wanting it. Yeah, that's true. Because for me, Connor wants a money fight. Yeah. Volk isn't as marketable as any of those guys in the top five in the lightweight division. It's not as marketable as the Diaz trilogy. Like, it just feels like for Connor that wouldn't be the money move, yeah. and that's what Connor's about. And it's also like, well, he's, if Connor's not about the money and he's about a championship. He's not going to do it at featherweight. He's going to do it at lightweight. So he's just going to take one of those guys who are already in the top five. Yeah. No, absolutely. So, yeah. I, I feel like Ciudo is the most likely matchup for him now. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if we see that announced pretty soon as well. For sure. Let's talk about Aljo and Jan. Hell yeah. The grudge match. Hell yeah. What a fight. I fucking loved this fight. Just, it was as tough as we knew it was going to be. Yeah. I was a little bit surprised. I thought... I thought Aljo would have struggled a little bit more, but we kind of expected the fight to go the way it did. Aljo was going to do everything he could to take it to the ground. I think he had like 20 takedown attempts or maybe more, yeah, and he was, was only successful with like two or three, um, but they were the two or three that counted for probably the, the match-winning points. And Jan looked effective at times on the feet, but probably just didn't keep him there for long enough. And it was a fight that really could have gone either way, but I can see the judges, you know, why they've scored it the way that they have. Aljo's the champ. Could that fight have a rematch? Fucking very easily. Yeah. Um, And I think it probably likely will. Yeah. I'm glad to see him win it like this. Because I was... I don't know if it's an unpopular opinion. I think he was fully deserving of the win last time. Like, everyone said, Jan was winning till he did it. But it's the same in every sport. There's rules. And if you're going to be an idiot and break them... (coughs) <coughs> that's that's you pay the cost for it, and you can't be a professional. I don't, I don't care. People are like, oh, but he's got he speaks a foreign language. There is no such thing as a professional in a sport who doesn't understand one of the simplest rules. Yeah, exactly. It it is fully known fact you cannot knee a guy in the head while he is down. Yeah, he need him in the head, and it was blatant. Yeah, it wasn't like a. If he, so that's, I was always a bit frustrated at the whole like oh like he got it like cheaply and I was like I don't know just like if you're winning so handily why you do do it yeah so I was glad to see Aljo come back and actually be like no fuck you I won it last time I'm winning it yeah. properly this time and I think he did win three or four of the five rounds like I think yeah. he I thought it was three rounds yeah. I thought it was first I thought it was first second third yeah first three I think definitely were yeah which I, I was just glad to see he actually got it done the the thing that I think is interesting with this is I don't think those guys will... I can understand why Aljo didn't feel like he deserved it in the first one because as a champion, you want your hand to be raised after five or after a genuine stoppage. Yeah. And I'm glad he got that moment because that would be super fulfilling for him now to feel like a real champ. Um, you know, so, so congrats to Aljo. I don't think that rematch happened straight away. But I wouldn't be surprised if there's another fight where he defends his belt and, and then, then we see Jan again. Yeah. Because yeah, I, I don't know if anyone else... I think maybe TJ Dillashaw is half a chance of... Is he getting too old, though? Maybe. He's fucking tough. Yeah. Like, you know, someone like Corey Sanderhagen, who still sits around the top ranks there, like, he'll start to challenge a little bit again. And I don't know, has he fought Jan yet? I'm not sure. I don't think so. That'd be a great fight for... Yeah. 
had a yarn. And then a great moment from that fight as well. Aljo, his mum was there to watch him fight in the UFC for the first time. Oh, wow. She got to be on the on the mat with him when he was named champion, got his moment properly. So That's awesome. Real good to watch that. And then we'll ch- touch on the third fight from that card. Kimaev beat the absolute shit out of Burns. Wasn't that a fucking great fight? Yeah. Dana actually paid Burns his win money. Oh, yeah. For that fight, just for it being so entertaining. I saw it got fight of the night. Here's <laughs> it, oh, fuck. There goes, off the plan there over. goes the tree. Jesus. Um, here's the thing about that fight. Whilst Hamzat was very, very effective, Burns had his moments too. Oh, absolutely. And I think it just shows that Burns is still an incredible contender. Yeah. I think... I think what it sets up for now is I really want to see the Burns-Colby fight. Yeah. Because they're two guys who have just been so close on a few occasions now. And I think Hamzat has to get a shot at um, Usman. Yeah. After the... Is is the Usman-Leon Edwards fight still happening? Let me check. Because I feel like... Hamzat's kind of proven himself. And this doesn't happen often. Not often do we see a guy who comes from nowhere runs through everyone and now really the only guy standing in front of him is the champ i feel like colby will want the hums up fight yeah but i don't know like it's that's probably for me that's the most exciting division in the ufc at the moment absolutely that, that in lightweight which like, is there's so many options it's crazy to say that about a division that's got arguably the most dominant champ in the sport right now like it's crazy that there's so much action it's so entertaining when you look at Usman being practically untouchable at the moment. Mm. Um, He's yeah. practically untouchable, but the thing about Usman is Burns dropped him. Usman Burns 2 is uh, UFC 276, July 2nd. Usman Burns? Oh, no, sorry, Usman Edwards. Usman Edwards. Read that wrong. Yeah, I was going to say, fuck. Um, yeah, Usman Edwards. So after that fight, I reckon what I think will happen, so when's that July? You know, I wouldn't be surprised if, if what we see maybe in, like, August... is because what are we now? We're April. So, I reckon within August, yep. like, Hamzat likes to be active. I reckon we'll see Hamzat fight maybe um, Colby. That's, like, the final stepping stone. Yeah, the yeah, final stepping that. stone. Because, yeah, if you get Colby down, it's pretty inarguable there's anyone else exactly. that deserves it. Exactly. And then we see maybe Leon Edwards fights Gilbert Burns after a loss... Or maybe he call already. He's, he's calling the loss already. Yeah, look, I I, let, I like Leon Edwards as a fighter. He's very entertaining to watch for me. Like I like his style, and he seems like a good dude. He's been so unlucky in his like his path to this title fight has been so unlucky. There's been eye pokes. There's been COVID. There's been so many things that have stopped him getting there quicker. Um, but I just like you said. Kamaru is the is the pound for pound king. It's so hard to see anyone beating them. And why he showed, where he showed moments of, I guess mortality. Yeah. You know, being dropped by Burns. You know, moments where Colby is shaking him a little bit. He's just like he's got so much resilience, and he's able to get up and then go even harder. Yeah. And I think that's the like I say, that's the sign of a true champion. A guy who can take a knock and keep moving forward even harder than he was before. And Kamaru's got those ingredients, so um, very ex- as it always is. Very exciting times in the UFC. It's it's probably one of the sporting competitions of the world where it just feels like 
the pace never dies. That's the thing. It's definitely because of the nature of it, mm. but they really, really do a good job of always having something coming or going on. Exactly. There's always one now or there's always one soon. And it's because you can run all the divisions, all the championship fights and also market the young guys, but like they market their guys really, really well. Like, but yeah, it's just a great, there's always something happening, which is good. And a little shout out um, while we're talking combat sports to friend of the pod, Harry Garside. Yes, sir. Who shared a little, um, there's so much great stuff happening in that guy's life at the moment, which I love to see because he's just an absolute gentleman. He's a good human being and you know, he's, being invited to all these events he's getting the love that he should be as an aussie champ but the fun thing was he shared a clip on his instagram he was commentating at a fight night recently and um i guess one of the fellow boxers from his gym got a nice little victory and harry was doing a post fight press conference in the ring or post fight interview i should say and um there was one point there where he just muddled his words and there was no idea you can't tell what's coming out of his mouth and even he giggled in the moment and he shared that and sort of shared, I guess, maybe maybe there's some things he's better at than others in the ring. Um, but shout out to our boy Harry for getting in there and being involved. It's like we talked about when Cleary was singing. Not everyone can be good at everything. And exactly. Harry's pretty fucking close, so he's, it's good to yeah, see exactly he's got weaknesses. Right. He's, actually, to be fair, there's probably maybe only one thing yeah. he might not be good at. And I still think he's fucking... He was classy as it was just a slip moment. Yeah, exactly. He's classy as as a commentator. Just the slightest moment. We all have them. Um, in a bit sadder news now, only real NFL thing that's happening, uh, just prayers up to Dwayne Haskins' family. He unfortunately yeah. passed away earlier this week. Terrible news, hey? Really sad just to see it. So I hope I hope him and his family find peace. It's sad okay. when anyone of that age passes, and it's super sad when it's a guy who has huge goals and so much talent and you just think of the life that was going to be lived yeah, and the life that's... It's, it's a, I know we were very lighthearted and we're fun here on this podcast, but it's a, it's a reminder that life is short. You've really got to enjoy yourself and you've got to do things that mean something to you because um, at the end of the day, you never know when your time's up. So um, big prayers and condolences to the Haskins family. It's um, very sad news for everyone in sport. Yeah. Bit of an awkward transition now to fit of the week. Yeah, fair But our man Ben Simmons, he's yeah. not active for the Nets yet, but he pulled up to their playing game wearing a two-piece lamb leather green suit. Looked absolutely phenomenal. Very, it looked very so classy. good that the game broadcast spent a solid five minutes talking about it instead of the game that was going on in front what of them. What was it? It was Prada, eh? Yeah. yeah, but Ben has been a very fashionable guy for a long time. Be good to see him get his basketball uniform back on soon, hopefully. But till then, he's going to keep serving us these courtside fits. Yeah, and hey, if he can't be serving us some fucking dimes, we'll take the fits for the meantime. Absolutely. And it's you know we we called Ben Simmons was Voldemort for a while there. You know he was the man who who shouldn't be named just because of that saga. Yeah. And I just hope those days are behind him now. I hope that we can start to enjoy Ben Simmons yeah. for the great player that he is. I read, the active player. I read something this morning. I can't remember who it was. So I don't know how reliable it is, but it said that the... No, I think they were targeting one of the games against Boston as his return. Maybe game three or four. Yeah. So we could see him back as early as the first round, which will be in maybe like two weeks. Yeah, so awesome. They're going to need it. If they get Ben back, I reckon they're fairly unstoppable. That's a big call. It is, but we'll see how it goes. Very good. Well, I guess that's the week in sport. 
Big week to come. It's Easter long weekend, so make sure you're tucking into a few treats. You know how it is if there's one time of the year. Well, there's actually two times of the year where you get to eat and just, like, go to fucking town and it's Easter and Christmas. So enjoy yourselves. Enjoy the week of sport ahead. Remember, don't be shy. Reach out. Give us some love on the socials. Let us know what you think of the episode. Share it with your friends. We're heating up. We want to hear... We're, we're actually talking last week about how we can add new formats and shake things up a little bit on the show. So let us know if you've got any ideas or something you want to hear from us. That's all right. Let us know what works. Let us know what doesn't. And thanks for tuning in as always. Adios. Adios.